these various income streams really came from independent passions that I myself was just trying to figure out for myself. Like, how do I do this? How do I build a website? How do I make a podcast so I can build an audience? And the next thing you know, people are like, can we hire you to do that for us? So I say it always pays to dabble. If you have something you're interested in, try it, go for it, because you don't know what it might bring into your life. This is Debbie, and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey listeners, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Lucky for you, I have created a new site that will help you learn how to launch, grow, and monetize your own show. I offer one-on-one mentorship programs and I'm launching an ebook, How to Create a Profitable Podcast, that can help you take your podcast from hobby to profitable business. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com to learn more. Again, that's howtocreatepodcast.com. See you there. On this episode, I'm really excited to speak with Lizette Austin, also known as Jet Set Lizette, who is an award-winning travel expert who has currently saved over $105,000 in travel costs. She teaches others how to earn and maximize travel rewards through her online course, Jet Set 101, Becoming a Travel Hacker. She's also the host of the award-winning Globetrotter Lounge podcast, interviewing women who had found creative ways to travel more. Listen on to find out how Lizette is able to travel the world on a budget. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be speaking with Lizette. Hey, Lizette, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? I am wonderful. Can you tell us a little bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life? Yes, I'd be happy to. So yeah, I'm also known as Jet Set Lizette um, because I love to travel. And um, I basically have become a bit of award travel expert. And it was almost accidentally. But anyway, I do this whole thing where I figure out how to help people rack up miles and points and therefore travel for free. And my whole offbeat life story actually started way before that. I've always had a side hustle. Probably for the last 18 to 20 years, I've never enjoyed working a full-on 9 to 5, 40-hour-a-week job. So pretty much out of college or after grad school, I I tried that and was like, no, I'm not doing this. And so I would work part-time as a researcher, at the university here in Seattle, University of Washington. And I also then would freelance. And I was a freelance writer and editor for a long time. And then I became a freelance web designer for a long time. And all of this allowed me to travel more because I had, you know, flexibility and my own schedule, but I would get the benefits that came along with working at a university job. So I've always kind of set up this life for myself, which doesn't fit your standard, you know, what people think a career looks like. People often are very confused when they say, what do you do? I'm like, well, how much time do we have? Like, do we have a little (laughs) while? Because I've got like seven threads that we could talk about. And that allows me to be flexible. And more recently, I've done more and more location independent work that allows me to really, you know, work while I'm on the go. So 
So can you tell us a little bit more about what you're currently doing right now that's allowing you to be more location independent and give you some more free time to travel since you have all of these free miles that you've racked up? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So it's been interesting. I Right now, I've been in a new period. I had been with, like I mentioned, the University of Washington working on a grant with indigenous communities, actually. It's been really great for about 12 years, and that was part-time. And that grant grant ended uh, at the beginning of 2018. And I've been on a journey ever since. So it's been you know almost two years of trying different things. I went full entrepreneur for a while. And um, that also coincided with the start of my podcast. So I was podcasting quite a bit about women who found creative ways to travel more because I wanted to pick their brains about how they're finding ways to quote unquote travel hack and save money or just have more time to travel or live abroad and all the things I still feel like I'd love to do. That turned into kind of a thing in my life. I love the podcasting and it led me to be involved with great organizations like Wonderful and the Women in Travel Summit. So I started traveling more and working on podcast projects. And that's been really fun because, you know, I've helped a couple organizations like Navit, another great women-run organization about finances and travel and lifestyle. I helped them launch a podcast. I've been doing smaller projects with Wonderful, my own podcast. So during this year, there's been a lot of that going on. And I do travel to do a lot of these things. So I've gone to actually most recently Latvia. I was just in Latvia, Riga, Latvia, doing some podcasting over there at their first Women in Travel Summit Europe. And then the other things I've been doing is web design. I continue to do that. That's a beautiful thing because you can do it anywhere. And one of my highlights there was going to somehow convincing <laughs> this really fabulous small boutique hotel in Zihuatanejo, Mexico, that I would work so much better on site, you know, because I'd be inspired by the landscape around me. And really, I could do it anywhere. But they were like, okay, yeah, come on down, we'll get you in a room. And so I was building a website beachside, I was loving that. But typically, I would, you know, just I can build a website from anywhere. And I've worked with clients who are in different countries and, you know, all over the states. So building up that business has been great. And then the other thing I'm doing right now is because I am taking care of my or, you know, helping to take care of my dad, who's quite elderly, I have decided for the moment to be a little bit more grounded in Seattle so I could be around him. So I did I did take another part time position at the University of, of Washington, but this time it's web design based. And what's great about that is I can even remote for that job. So even though I have the benefited job with with those perks at three days a week, I can actually, I'm headed to Brazil right now, and I'm going to be remote working for my university job while I'm in Brazil next week. So that's that's where things are at the moment. And I still freelance. Well, that's a lot of different things, a lot of different aspects of what you're doing right now. It's really creating different streams of income, as they say, because when you're an entrepreneur and a freelancer, it does help out a lot when you have all of those different things coming in. Now, when you started and transitioned from your job at the university to creating income as a web designer, did you have any background in that or was it something that you just learned on your own? So I actually have been doing the web design for over 20 well, about 10 years now. And before that, I had been making my own websites, pretty much self-taught back when things were way more HTML coding quite a long time ago. So I have been freelancing as a web designer all along while working at the university. So when I made a run of 100% you know, entrepreneur 
2018 and 2019, I actually was doing a combination of web design and my Jet Set Lizette kind of consultation, helping people earn miles and points and the podcasting. So you're right, multiple income streams. <laughs> but I did know how, to, I did have that skill and I did grow that skill. And I honestly, a lot of my my income streams come from my passions. You know, it's not like I intended to become a web designer. I just, I don't know what, what it is with me, but I definitely have a very tech geek side of me, which is I think why I also like podcasting. And I would just make my own website and make websites for my dance company. I'm a dancer kind of on the side. I had a dance company for a long time. So I'd made their website. I made my husband's website. He's a professional photographer and people were noticing and they're like, can you make my website? And I'm like, well, I can try. And so, you know, it's just over time, I built up a skill set. And then I saw the possibilities like, okay, let me do this. And it was the same thing with the miles and points. That started because I love to travel and I really wanted to figure out how I could travel more and afford it because I couldn't always afford it at all. And I figured out about miles and points and started traveling like an insane person, like going randomly to Tokyo for an art exhibit at the drop of a hat. And people were like, um, did you win the lottery? Are you wealthy now? What happened? <laughs> What's going on? And I would be like, okay, let me tell you what I did. And I'd tell them. And then another person would ask me. Then finally, I, I just said, for the sake of convenience, let's get everyone in one room at once. And that became a workshop. And then people were like, can you do another one? Next thing you know, I've got an online course. I'm starting a podcast to build the audience. You know, So these various income streams really came from independent passions that I myself was just trying to figure out for myself. Like, how do I do this? How do I build a website? How do I make a podcast so I can build an audience? And the next thing you know, people are like, can we hire you to do that for us? <laughs> <laughs> so I say it always pays to dabble, you know, if you have something you're interested in, try it, go for it, because you don't know what it might bring into your life, you know? Well, you have definitely dabbled, as you say, in so many different things. And as you said, one of the ways that people really know you is because you have been able to do some great travel hacks. How did you figure that out? And now you're able to travel to so many different places per pretty much free, right? Yep. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, I figured that out because, you know, as I said, I was living my my interesting life that wasn't your common nine to five and I could see this potential. Right. So I was a freelance writer, I think more back then, uh, maybe transitioning to being also a freelance web designer and working my day job. But I could see like, wow, I have this spare time and I I do travel. I road trip it, you know, and I maybe go down to Mexico when I can. And But I really wanted to get back to international travel because I had lived abroad when I was 19 in Italy. And I occasionally was able to go, you know, for a honeymoon, we went to Europe and I would save up, right? Like most of us do for these big, bigger ticket trips. But I saw this potential, like I could travel more often. So I started looking into the miles and points. Well, I always had like an Alaska Airlines card. And back in I'd say around 2010, my husband, maybe it was 2009, my husband transitioned from being a carpenter, a full-time contractor, wow. to being a photographer. And mm -hmm. we lost the overhead. We used to put all his client purchases, so like for remodeled kitchens, the bathrooms, there's a lot of money running through our Alaska Airlines card, that his business card that would then, you know, get paid back by the client. And there went the like 30,000 miles a year that we used to at least have to get down to Mexico or something, right? So I just got online and said, what is going on? Like, I don't, I just need to figure out maybe some more cards. Like, I didn't even know 
but I just was frustrated because I, I did think about becoming a flight attendant, but somehow that wasn't happening. So I came across Million Mile Secrets and that blog changed my life because I think now they're owned by the points guy, but I read the crazy story of this guy, Darius, who said he'd gotten a million miles over the last year. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, oh, I just opened all these cards. I'm like, you're crazy. This man's crazy. <laughs> He's ruining his credit score. He's insane. He's opening like 10 cards at once or whatever it was. And I'm, But I was intrigued. And I thought, well, I'll just try it on a small scale. And in three months, I had 400,000 miles. And I was like, oh what? My I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> and, I, and I had not done any more spending than normal. I just did my regular spending. And at that point, I was like, are you kidding me? I can just do my regular household spending and in three months get enough miles, like way more than we used to have, you know, enough miles to go multiple times to Europe. <laughs> so I just kept doing it. And pretty soon I crossed over the million mile mark that first year. And right now I think I still have, that was in 2012. And I, I've I've continued ever since then. And I rarely go below a million. I have about a million point two miles hotel points and airline miles right now. Um, my flight to Brazil for my son and I tonight, this was probably about $60 for both of us. <laughs> Latvia was equally cheap. I just pay taxes and fees. So that's how I learned it. I learned it online, but I, along the way, taught myself how to stay organized because there are definitely some pitfalls to opening a lot of cards. And I've learned how to not only not go into debt, not pay interest. I do sometimes pay annual fees. You kind of have to do that these days. They, they're there are more uh, things have changed since when I first started doing it, but I have a credit score. I used to have a credit score in the low 700s and now it's in the 800s after opening like, I don't know how many cards in the last eight years, <laughs> who knows, 80, 90, I don't know. Um, so, so now, I, yeah, so, very so Lizette, for somebody who wants to do this and tap into what you're doing, what would be your best advice for them if they want to start doing it? I think the first thing is to understand your finances, number one. Understanding how much you spend a month, understanding, you know, what your potential is for opening a card and meeting a minimum spend because you always have to spend a certain amount. You don't want to end up in debt, right? So you don't want to just open a bunch of cards and start throwing random purchases on it that you can't can't pay back at the end of the month. So my number one tip really is Check your check your finances. See what's reasonable. If you have a lot of issues with debt, you know maybe clean that up first. Look at what your credit score is. You know if it's in the seven hundreds, that's good. That'll help you with this. But if not, work on getting a better credit score. And then after that, it's just you know there's a lot of resources out there. The Point Sky is a big one. There's a lot of other ones, and my own site, and I have an online course and all that. But I think really it starts with understanding your finances, so you don't get into into any trouble with it. So now let's go back to what you've been doing because you are doing a lot of different things, right? And you're definitely an entrepreneur who has multiple streams of income. What has been the biggest setback that you have encountered or are encountering right now? The biggest setback? Well, you know, there's always a, a pro and a con, right? So having flexibility, having multiple streams, that's great. And I love it. At the same time, there are those days that you wake up and you think, what What am I working on today? I don't even remember. You know, it's like the, the chaos that can come with multiple streams sometimes. <laughs> there are those moments where you're like, 
can I just have one job? You know, can I just have one thing coming into my brain? Like, I don't, I don't know why I have all this going on. So I, I mean, you know, just to be realistic or honest about that, that sometimes the biggest challenge is balance and knowing when to say no. And it's not that I, I've always, I'm really good at saying no to people in terms of like, I'm not worried about what people are going to think of me or something. It's not about that. It's not like, oh, gosh, I, I wish I could say no, but you know, she may not like me. Like I don't have, I can say, nope, I'm totally busy. My <laughs> challenge is I like a lot of things and it's saying no to me. That's the hardest part, right? So it's, it's someone saying, hey, you want to come to Latvia and do some podcasting over here? I'm going to be like, "Uh, yeah, I want to go to Latvia. <laughs> but the challenge is saying, okay, let's really look at the calendar here. What's realistic? Where's the balance? I need downtime. You know, where's the rest? Where's the time to exercise? You know, those kinds of things. So I think any da- the danger with entrepreneurship is always you have this freedom, but that means freedom to do too much too, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of us have that shiny object syndrome and it's very easy to get distracted with so many new shiny things and lose focus on what's really important. Absolutely. And that's what I found for me this year was, you know, I often would say on my podcast and in talking with friends like, oh, you know, of course, my next big travel dream is to live abroad. It still is. But I had to come down to what really matters. What really matters for me right now is spending time with my family, you know, elderly parents. Th- those kinds of things are real. And it's not limiting. It's just a choice, right? It's saying, this is what is important. So I have to remember that. And that's when I decided to, you know, well, while I'm here, why don't I maximize getting money in a retirement plan and have those kind of that kind of little benefited position that kind of grounds me in many ways, too. Uh, because I have that one thing that I know I need to do, and then I can't completely run off. Um, but yeah, so the the setbacks or the challenges are sometimes just not knowing which way is up. Um, and then also, yeah, the, but what comes from that is really learning how to take really good care of oneself. And for me, that includes self-care, rest, you know, exercise, eating well, and again, scheduling downtime. So you're really good with finances. So you're one of the best people to talk to about this. How do you often save your money? And how do you make it last, especially since you have so many different streams of income, and you don't know which one is going to be there one month and not going to be there the next? Good question. Yeah. Yeah. Because even though right now I did choose to take this one, you know, benefited position, it still is only at a 60% time position, I cannot, you know, subsist solely off of that. So I still do have that entrepreneur challenge, right? Where you're like, do I have a project this month? Is it going to be enough? So I do have, my husband and I have an emergency savings fund that we put money into every month. That really helps to know that that's growing. That is a huge you know, important piece of our plan because he's a freelancer as well. He's an entrepreneur. So 100%. So he also is in the same boat. So as a unit, we definitely have to think about that. Um, and I also just, you know, I'm not going to give up travel, right? That That's important to me. So again, for me, the miles and points are necessary because I cannot be funneling all of my money into travel. Um, I can't be using up my emergency savings for travel, you know, so I have to keep things 
kind of uh, manageable there. But yeah, for me, it's an emergency savings. Also, I have a retirement plan that I'm maxing out right now. Um, and that's really important. And then I also have a cushion. So I took the time and energy some years back to uh, to purposefully be at least a full paycheck, quote unquote, ahead. Like, you know, we have a cushion of whatever our monthly amount that we need is, we're ahead. So when money comes in this month, I'm budgeting it for next month and it actually exists. You know, I think a lot of times, well, in the past, I would have money coming in and it's like, oh, good, the money's coming in for this month. Well, that's a disaster, right? Because you don't know if the money will come in really for this month. So this way, anything that's coming in in November, I know what now what I have for December. So that helps us be realistic. Oh, and have you caught on? I'm a budgeter. So I'm a budgeter. <laughs> <laughs> I literally track everything. Like I, as if I'm not busy enough, I track, I track the money. But that to me is freedom. The time it takes to track my money equals the amount of freedom I have in my life because I know what I can spend. And then that way I do not get myself into trouble. I can tell my family we are not going out to eat this month, you know, next month or whatever. And then that means I don't have to hustle harder to try to make more money because I'm short, you know? So I, I hope that answers the question, but those are the strategies I use to keep things going. Yeah. I love the strategies that you have because it is a lot of work to do in the beginning, but then you create a system that really works for you. And that's how you've been able to do it and keep going and be able to still have the money that you have and not be on the street somewhere. Exactly. (laughs) We don't want to do that. (laughs) No, no. So let's fast forward to 40 to 50 years from now, and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? Oh, that's a great question or interesting question that I haven't really thought about. Hmm, my legacy. Well, I have a son. So, you know, there's that, right? You know, I, I always immediately think of my son, like, I hope he's doing well. And, you know, he's 18. So we're la- he's launching off into adulthood. And, you know, we have our family and all of that. I do think, though, that, you know, I've done a lot of writing and things like that. I hope that some of the writing I've done, I've done not only freelance writing, but I write poetry and I write, you know, I have some writing and I feel like those things can kind of be left behind, right? So I guess there's that. But I also love being of service in my community. And uh, for example, we didn't talk about quite all the threads, but I'd mentioned briefly about working with the indigenous people in my area here in Seattle area. And I've worked with the tribes a fair amount, a couple tribes. There's many tribes here. I'm 29 tribes in Washington state alone. So two of the tribes I work with, one of them is the tribe for which Seattle was named, um, the Suquamish tribe. The Suquamish tribe was where Chief South lived. He was a part of that tribe and the city is named after him. So for me, serving those those, uh, people, serving that community, I've been able to do that through my work and in general, being of service to the people who were here first has always been really important to me. And it's something I've often had a hard time even putting into words. I'm not Native American. I don't even would never try to say that I know everything that should be known about Native people. But I have had the great honor and privilege of working with Native communities ever since I got a grad degree in American Indian Studies many years ago. And for me, that it feels like part of what I would like to look back on and say, you know what? We did these people wrong coming here, Europeans, you know, let's not even start talking about the African-American community. <laughs> There's that too. <laughs> and I and I am part of that community. So it's not that I'm not, you know, 
I'm not ignoring that one, but the native people were here. We came in and, you know, pretty much destroyed a lot of what they had. Not all of it. They're still here and they're thriving and there's a huge cultural resurgences in many tribes, but I just feel like we owe them. You know, the United States owes them. So without getting too political here, I'll just say that is my, that is one of the things I'm most proud of that I have spent a lot of time and energy seeing how I can be of, uh, of service to those communities. Well, that's the type of legacy I think you can definitely be proud of, and it will affect a lot of people's lives, and I don't think it's talked about enough. And I'm so glad that you're able to do that, Lizette, and continue to do that as you keep going on. Now, what are you working on currently that is really exciting to you? Well, right now I'm about to embark on a new adventure that I haven't really talked publicly that much about, but I will be in the upcoming year. I'm also adopted, and that is something that has never really come up. I was adopted at three days old by um, my adoptive mom and my adoptive dad, who are wonderful people, and they I'm multiracial, I'm black and white, and my adoptive mom is white and my adoptive father is black. And so no one even thought about it. They didn't even believe me when I would say, well, I'm adopted. People say, no, you're not. You look like your parents. I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> so anyway, fast forward. I'm at this point in my life. It's too long of a story to go into right now. But let's just say that I have some contact with some of my biological family now as well. And because I'm such a traveler, even before this DNA travel trend, which is now like the rage, I guess I heard it's a top travel trend of 2019. Before that, of course, when I started getting my ancestry DNA stuff done many years ago, of course, the first thing I thought was like, oh, well, I'm going to have to go to that country. Like, that's totally how I operate. <laughs> so I'm kind of coming up on a milestone birthday. And so I feel like this is the time where I want to really focus on going to the places from which my ancestors sprang. I don't know. Kind of saying that funny. <laughs> I want to go to my ancestral countries and uh, especially as somewhat of African-American descent, you know, yes, I'm adopted. So I had that. It was a closed adoption. So I didn't know everything I could know. But I feel like as a people, African-American people also kind of have that same feeling that adoptees do, which is like, we don't know where we're from. If we came here through slavery, we don't know which country, you know, and so I'm really excited but as I'm finding out more through DNA to find out, yes, I'm 20% Nigerian or, you know, these kind of things. And so that is going to be my journey in 2020 is going to some of these places. I'm taking one trip to Ireland. I'm amazingly, I'm like 35% Irish. So I'm oh, going, wow. I'm going, I know I'm going to Ireland with my two biological brothers on that side of the family of the Caucasian side. And we're going to go to Ireland and explore and go to where we're from County Cork. But I want to also go to Nigeria. I want to go to other countries, Albania, et cetera. So I plan to do some audio journaling and probably release that as like a sub, like a series in my travel podcast playing around with that, but really interested in exploring the journey of adoptees with DNA travel. That is really exciting and very interesting, especially to find out where your family comes from and then going there and actually seeing where they were living. It's such an interesting way to find out about history. Yes, exactly. And to get that sense of identity and, and roots and go to, you know, amazing new places that I, I have never <laughs> been to, which is, of course, one of my favorite things to do. So, yeah. <laughs> well, you have enough miles to do it. For That's sure. right. See, <laughs> there you go. 
<laughs> now, Lizette, if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? Right. So, yeah, I can be found at jetsetlizette.com. And Lizette is with an S. I always say that because it does sound like a Z. So it's jetsetlizette.com. I'm on Instagram at jetsetlizette, Facebook at jetsetlizette. If you want to find out about my web design business, you can check that out too at austincreative.design. Austin, like Austin, Texas. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Lizette, for sharing us your incredible story. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. It's been a real pleasure. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Lizette. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where she shares how to book award travels. Hey, listeners, thank you for listening to this episode, and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey, and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold.